0: Are you ready to kickstart your life into high gear and train the martial arts way? There's no question that martial arts training can help you succeed in all areas of your life. In this video, world-renowned instructor Chris Natsky explains how to train the martial arts way with focus, discipline, and determination to get the most out of your mind, body, and spirit. I'm so looking forward to sharing Chris with you today. So, Strap in, you're gonna go on a wellness-driven ride. As an eighth degree black belt slash master instructor and former national Taekwondo champion, Chris Natsky ranks in the top 1% of all martial arts artists worldwide. A keynote speaker, life leadership coach and author, Chris's specialty is sharing his unique brand of black belt leadership so others may discover the most empowered version of themselves. Leading to clarity of purpose, increased confidence, and the courage to take inspired action to create breakthrough results in their personal and professional lives. Please welcome Chris Natsky. Hi, Chris.
2: Hi, April. How are you doing?
0: Great. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. We're so pleased to have you here today.
2: Absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation.
0: You're Welcome. Well, Chris, you have such an extensive background and I can't wait to hear all about it and to share it with our audience and really mostly and how it it, martial arts takes this wellness approach. So I I would love for you to share uh, about yourself first off. Let's start there. Share, (laughs) Share with the audience just about you.
2: Well, I mean, I've been uh, a veteran of the martial arts. I started in the early '70s, so started in 1973. So, this is my 50th year of training. Um, I'd like to say I started in the womb, so that makes me a little bit less, <laughs> a little bit less aged. But martial arts is something that I found as a very young man, um, a very young boy actually, and it just something that captured me. And uh, so I, I continued my study uh, within the martial arts throughout grade school, high school, into college. Uh, I played football on a Division One level, so I had to walk away from martial arts a little bit when I went to college, but then got back in to them heavily afterwards, and it was something that was always my lifelong dream to own a school. So after about a 10-year career in corporate America, I uh, left in 1995 and opened up my martial arts center here in the Denver, uh, Colorado area, and owned that for 17 years, and it was the top uh, probably top martial arts center in the state. We had over 500 active students. At wow. one location. And so even when I left and I've since sold it, I sold it about 10 years ago and my students run the schools. It's still the anchor, if you will. It's still the basis of the things that I speak about, that I teach about, that I coach about, and that I write about.
0: Ah, that's cool. And I can see how my husband, Manly Chavez, was was very fond of you and that when he had such a heavy involvement during the time. And actually, I want to share we have some family memorabilia. That's
2: right. If so that's that's a family it. martial art uh, jacket that we had when Manly was looking to come on staff with us. And interestingly enough, there's there it is. There's proof that it was his and my <laughs> like right around the corner at what quite honestly, I can see it here hanging over a chair. I just washed it yesterday. I hung it to dry and it literally, I still wear that jacket all the time.
0: Uh, It's a good jacket. I love it. In fact, I was going to wear it for the show, (laughs) but it's a little big on me. So I, I just thought I'd share it, but I, I really enjoy that. And, um, so you had this wonderful involvement with the martial arts studios and and you how many did you have or how many do you have now
2: three uh, that my students own within my organization yeah and we, we still have three that i oversee
0: wonderful and you still go into them every now and again and you help out
2: I do. I mean, I I still am quite active in all three of the schools. I run black belt testings, teach seminars, et cetera. I liken it to being a grandparent. I get to go in, I play with the students and the staff, and then I get to give everybody back and someone else can handle all the ins and outs of the business.
0: Great. And now you've moved on to speaking, but we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. I want to go back um, again and and talk about really just the the marriage between martial arts, and the mind-body-soul. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into the martial arts? I know you described a little bit as as a young man, but when we talk about the mind-body-soul and connection and and how that merges.
2: Well, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things to share. I I started training, as I, I think alluded to before, back in September of 1973. I was a short little chubby kid, and at that time, martial arts was not that well-known in the United States. Um, it's not like today where you see a martial arts school in every corner. But I was enamored with a TV show that was on at that time called Kung Fu. And and April, probably some of your more um, seasoned audience members will remember Kwai Chen Kane walking across the American desert, <laughs> beating up people with his Kung Fu when the bad guys tried to approach him. And I I literally was mesmerized by it. So I literally begged my mom in my little... Uh, hometown in Wisconsin to let me go to the neighborhood uh, community center to try out Korean karate. And I saw these people, with these amazingly powerful moves, and I just totally fell in love. I felt like I came home. And then after mm-hmm. that, about three years after that, I, I met a man that would change my life forever. In fact, he's still one of my instructors of this day. His name is Grandmaster J.K. Lee. And Grandmaster Lee had, is still in the Milwaukee area, Um, he had just moved from South Korea. He hardly could speak English, hardly had a dime in his pocket, but he had this burning desire to transform lives through martial arts. And one of the first times I was in his class, I was seated in the back of the room. My legs were spread wide. I was stretching out, getting ready to train. And he walked onto the mat and pretty soon I realized he was staring at me. And before I could move, he came over and he sat down in front of me. And he put his feet on the inside of each one of my legs and grabbed the belt and which split me out to 180 degrees. Oh, Yeah. And and I like to say I learned two really important life lessons that day. Number one is anyone can do the splits one time. (laughs) But the second thing I learned, and this was a quintessential time in my life, he he stared at me deep in the eyes and he said, I will make you a champion. Mm. I will make you a champion. And, and you, when you were, when you're 13, you just think about medals and trophies and Olympics. But what I really came to realize from him, and he is such a wonderfully gentle, not only powerful, but gentle and caring man, is he wanted me to become a champion as well as all of his students in life, not just in the ring, but a champion in life. Yeah. And so that's where those two worlds come together. I mean, kicking and punching is fantastic, but it's the lessons inherent where you're learning about yourself learning the strength that you actually have and learning how from that strength you can live a life of service. That's where martial arts is so unique and so powerful.
0: Ah, oh, I love that explanation. Thank you so much for sharing. We're going to go to a quick commercial. And when we come back, I would love to you ex- to explain the warrior in the garden okay. concept. Very good. Stay tuned
2: everyone.
1: Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard and I'm here with my wife, Tabby.
0: We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education.
1: That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children.
0: On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself.
1: Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together.
0: Hi, I'm April Hove, the Managing Director of the Fort Worth, Texas chapter of eWomen Network. I'm so excited that you stopped to watch this video. I've got good news for you. You have just discovered an international network of women entrepreneurs who are committed to helping you achieve, succeed, and prosper. We are on a mission to help 1 million Women entrepreneurs each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. Here at eWomen Network, we have a complete success system that supports you every step of the way in building and growing your business. You being here right now is no accident. We're supposed to know about you. We want to meet you to find out how we can help you as well as learn about what you have to offer. With over 500,000 women connecting through 118 chapters across the US, Canada, Australia, and the UK, you are never alone. If this is resonating with you, please go to ewomennetwork.com slash Fort Worth. Notice too, my contact information. I invite you to reach out to me and check out our upcoming in-person and online events. I am really looking forward to introducing you to our community. Okay, so what is a warrior in the garden?
2: Right. Well, you know, I think that martial arts, probably more than any other discipline or activity, provides this ability for us to balance ourselves, right? So we have the warrior aspect, the martial aspect, if you will, but also that's now tempered that once you realize that aspect of yourself, that can be potentially dangerous and or damaging, if you do need to use your skills, Mm -hmm. you have a much greater reverence for life. You have a much greater reverence for um, humanity, if you will. And so the concept of the warrior in the garden is, basically says it's much better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. (laughs) Right? Uh, yeah. So what it means is, is that having the skills, developing the skills, having the confidence and the wherewithal to protect yourself and others, but then being able to temper that is a much more valuable skill than being someone that never touches that part of themselves. See, I believe that inside of us, April, we each have you know, the, the light and the dark. We each have the warrior aspect of ourselves. And some people get a little bit frightened by that and they never really want to see that part of themselves. But I really think part of our overall understanding of ourselves as human beings is to be able to look at all aspects of ourselves and i have just seen way too many examples of people who have come to me with limited self-confidence and once they find that aspect of themselves their life transforms because now it's not just about fighting that's just a metaphor basically it's about how they can communicate in their life with their loved ones with their bosses with their you know with their friends etc and it brings this aspect to them but it's also tempered because they realize that, you know, one of the tenants in Taekwondo is to create a more peaceful world. And mm. so that's part of our mission as well.
0: Ah, I really like that. It's, it's definitely, uh, the light and dark, the yin, and the yang and finding, you know, understanding all of those aspects of ourselves, mm. understanding how to control those aspects of ourselves and find the healthy balance. So, that is a really cool way to say that the warrior in the garden, and you said, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener that in the important. war. Right. <laughs> I like that concept. That's really good. How would you say, um, how would you say to just somebody who's not involved in the martial arts, how, what are some tips and tricks that they can do to, to shed some light on that concept?
2: hmm. Well, you know, I, I again in my work now, even though I'm not running a school full time, I'm utilizing martial arts as my metaphor. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe deep inside myself is that each and every one of us has that warrior spirit, that champion, if you will. And there are basically when I do my keynote talk, three of the things that I talk about to bring that forward in, in our lives is number one is to be able to embrace your purposeful vision for whatever that is in your life. Because I believe we're all born with that inside of ourselves. And many times uh, people don't go for it, right? Because they don't have the confidence. They don't have the the vision for what they really want to accomplish. And so that's the first thing is that I think anyone can do that, whether you train in martial arts or not, is know that that vision that you have inside yourself was put there for a reason. And it was put there in a reason for us to share it. Okay. The next is about a, a concept that I call conscious persistence. And what I mean by that is many of us are very persistent about things in our life. We have routines that we we follow each and every day. If you ask people about certain disciplines that they have at work, et cetera, they'll be able to tell them to you. But oftentimes we're not even conscious about it. And if and if you don't, if you don't believe me, think about the last time you left someplace, you drove, and when you got home, you had no recollection of how you got there. You just automatically went on autopilot. Yeah, we do that all the time. So Mm -hmm. being conscious about our lives, because in martial arts, you have to learn to be extremely present. If you're fighting and you know, you're sparring with an opponent, whatever, you have to be in the moment. And then finally, it's about taking inspired action and, and, and a way to serve. So martial arts, we would say, is an action philosophy. So many of us talk about what we want to do. and We have dreams, but the dreams are fantastic. But if we don't put those into action, They just die inside of us. So as I said, martial arts is about taking action. And so people who are non-martial artists can say, where can I take action in my life? Even if it's just a small, small step, because those small steps begin to build and pretty soon uh, can create massive results.
0: This is definitely uh, you going over your three C's, creating breakthroughs um, with a purposeful vision. The conscious persistence, the inspired action—you um, y- know—I I love that you're going out in the world and and explaining that to others because I also feel it's very powerful. And again, going back to this beautiful—you know—the history of martial arts and how they they understood the mind, body, soul concept. Mm-hmm early on. And, and like you said, having to be present in the moment. I know that when I was in law enforcement, our training, uh, heavily was involved in that. And when we're in this high stress situation, we, we do a lot of breathing techniques. So it's not just, you know, falling to the level of your training.
2: That's right. Right.
0: Um, but it's also really knowing how to control yourselves to be able to get those motor functions back to respond appropriately to the situation. Mm -hmm. So um, we're going to go to another short commercial. And when we come back, I would love to know what the most significant obstacle people face when attempting a breakthrough.
3: Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21 year old daughter, Kristen was murdered by her ex boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts Podcast. It's a series of lives being saved.
4: CTR Media Network is now accepting new podcasters to join our growing network that's reaching 350 million global listeners. Have you heard? CTR Media Network offers podcast production, podcast training, distribution, and product placement. Book us for your next event or schedule an interview with CTR Media Network podcasters today. To learn more, go to ctrmedianetwork.com.
0: So Chris, what would you say is the most significant obstacle that people face when uh, when attempting these breakthroughs? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know, I think what's very interesting about that, April, is that many times if someone were to ask me that question, they'd be thinking about things on the outside. You know, uh, mm. people don't have enough education, they don't have enough money, they don't have enough time. And those are all valid things. But I would argue, I would argue vehemently that It's what's going on inside of us. It's the limiting beliefs that we've created. And almost always those limiting beliefs, at least initially, are unconscious to us. There are things that we've picked up when we were younger. We've had experiences. Someone told us we weren't good enough. We weren't smart enough. We weren't tall enough. We weren't whatever. Or we convinced ourselves of that. And what they do is they, they lie underneath. And they have a tendency to cloud our perception of everything that we see. So when we're looking to have a breakthrough, you know, really take a a quantum leap in terms of our performance, of our experience in life, in terms of our relationships, many times what we're doing is we're, we're dragging along that old baggage that we had before, and we're not even aware of it. But the thing of it is, is one of the most empowering things that I've come to realize is that when we slow down and we actively look at it, now we can... Defang the demon, if you will, but when we're always, you know, when it's always in the periphery, and we want to look at it. We don't want to examine it and then break through it. It's always there. It's always there to anchor us down. So I would say that our uh, outer experience is a is an in, is a reflection of our inner reality. And when we're able to really look at what the cause is, then things start to open up. Even when obstacles are in front of us, now we can, we take them on. It's not so much a problem, it's a project, right? Because yeah. we're looking at them in a, in a much different way.
0: Oh, that's really, that's really a great way to look at it. And uh, I am curious too, you've you've been in martial arts for so long and you've learned so many lessons. Could you tell me which which of those lessons translate the most into your everyday life and leadership?
2: Well, I've already kind of mentioned one, and there's two that I really want to, that are going to sound maybe a little diametrically opposed to each other, is number one is the concept of action, right? I mean, you, you, having a vision is fantastic, but taking an action, in, in even if it's small. I love Oprah Winfrey. She talks this idea about just make the next right move, and mm. then the next right move. and. um <laughs> The, the, the man who wrote the book, um, Atomic Habits, uh, his, yes. his name is, is um, it'll come to me here in a moment, but he talks about this idea of what I call the 1% solution. And if we have an activity that we want to get better at and we commit ourselves to get just 1% better each and every day, after a year, we'll be 37 times better at that activity by taking just that small action. And then if you say, well, what if I double that? Well, you know, we would mostly say, well, geez, I I just double 37. It's 74 times better. But that's not true at all. What happens is is we'd be 1400 times better because our good habits, our good actions, they don't add up, April, they compound. You know, and if you took that out five years, you'd be 76 million times better, right? It's compound interest. So, So that's the thing is action. But then, the other one that might seem a little bit uh, counter to that is the act of surrender. And it's not oh, giving and that's it's not, hard.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh my
2: gosh. I'm it's 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 one I have to work on daily. Yeah. And it's not about giving in, it's about giving up the mindset and the practices that no longer serve us. Mm-hmm. And when we trust that something, if, if if you know, we've been given this gift, whatever we want to share in the world, you know, just like you doing this podcast, you were you were brought, drawn to this, is to trust in that and let it go and say, okay, whatever that power is that's helping me through this process, I'm going to yield to that and know when I coalesce with it, I'm going to be much much more powerful than trying to fight it myself.
0: Yes, absolutely, and you know, incredible for you that you put those two very powerhouse ideas together because they are truly some of the biggest things, you know, the action, one one step forward. And I think when people think about action, they they think they have to be these huge things. And so um it was James Clear with Atomic Cabinets. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So uh yes, he pointed it out beautifully and so did Oprah. And yeah, just one step forward. It can be small things, but what's that one thing? Each day that you can do. And then the surrender aspect, letting it go, letting it be, leaving it up to the unknown, being curious about what's next. Uh, those, I think surrender was one of the hardest things. And like you said, having to work on that every single day and just remind yourself to let go of that control. And that makes me go back and think about the warrior within and the, uh, and I'm not going to say it right. Uh, the, I'm going to say it wrong. Warrior in the garden. Why did I just forget that? The warrior in the garden concept, you know, where you, you understand your strength and the dark side, and yet being able to control and maintain that and um, address your surroundings and everything that's going on. I, I like that idea, and you know, maybe I shouldn't say it on the form on on this platform because you know we have a, a large audience. But one thing um, I'm just going to say it anyway. Why not? What something that one of my instructors said was when you go into a room, um, you know, you you can be kind, be courteous, but always have a plan to kill everyone you meet.
2: <laughs> well, the way that I like to say it is. Um, you know, trust in God, but tie up your camel, right? Oh, so, there you go. That's that's a better so way. way. I'm going to use you know, that I, one. You now, when I teach self defense courses, that's what I teach, right? We 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 talk about the ABCs of self defense, and the first one A stands for awareness. So that's being aware of your environment, and it doesn't mean yeah. that you're walking around in a paranoid state, right? It, uh, generally, that will attract that type of aggressive and negative mm-hmm. being you. But it's about being alert and aware, not only what's going on in the environment, but what's going on inside of ourselves. And so, you know, we are in a society today of distraction. And yeah. if you don't believe me, just go sit on a bench downtown in Fort Worth and watch people walk. And all you'll be seeing is everybody glued to their phone. They're not aware of their environment. Right. And the same thing happens too, even when we're interacting with people. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I I've worked a lot with kids and I have two of my own who are now grown, but I think that one of the best things we can do with anyone that we're interacting with is just give them our full and present attention. I mean, that's worth its weight in gold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and it sounds to me like uh, you're you're very much in alignment. And I know we talked about it a little bit and how you you talk to others and train others, but really what's inside internally reflects externally.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Outer, outer expression is a, is a function of inner reality. So what's happening inside, it's like, it's like, I think it's been said, um, it's not uh, what we do. It's who we are, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's happening. That's we're seeing the world through that lens. And that's one of the things where it ties in well with martial arts, because another one of our tenants is the self-awareness, the self-control. And when, if we choose to see the world as a dangerous and hideous place, that's what we'll probably find. Yeah. And if we see the world as a kind place, we'll see that as well. But it also means we need to be aware. It's it's that it's that light and dark aspect that we have to be familiar with that lives inside each and every one of us.
0: Yeah. Well, I think one of the incredible things that martial arts training brings to you is that awareness of your strength, the mm-hmm. strength not only within, but but that we have physically. And I think there's so much power with that. And I think that you could probably describe that as, you know, you were going through your life and learning the art of martial arts and, and how you were learning how you get to utilize your body and the strength that you have. And, and, you know, when, I think when you're young, you get excited and you're like, okay, I'm going to go kick some butt. Um, but then as you, you grow and you learn more and you become more mindful and a sage, so to speak, then you understand that you can start utilizing that balance where it's not the the fight all the time. Right. And again, when you discussed how, if you show up that way, you're probably going to be running into
2: it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it brings, it brings to mind something that I'll share in regards to the martial art of taekwondo and our black belt ranking system, right? So many times you know, I'm an eighth degree black belt in the martial art of taekwondo. There are nine degrees of black belt. And sometimes people ask me, well, what's the difference? So what do you have to do to get to be an eighth degree? Mm-hmm. Et cetera? But the way that I likened it is first through third degree black belt are the fighters. You're training to be the warriors. And then fourth through sixth degree black belt would be the teachers. You're learning to teach it and give back seventh to ninth degree black belt, we become hopefully the philosophers, right? And we either do that through our words, we do it through our writings. Uh, many Many of my peers have actually gone into the healing arts, you know, with the idea, well, if I know how to break it, I better learn how to fix it, right? So it becomes this full circle. And once again, it's about in, you know, we say in in Chinese, they say yin and yang. In Korean, we say um and yang. It's the same thing. It's that counterbalance of being able to be full and complete human beings.
0: Yeah. I want to go over that again, Chris, because that is so cool. And I never really understood that that's what it is. I, I unfortunately myself didn't go into, to the martial arts. I just had a little bit of training within the law enforcement, um, and, and really just learning how to protect myself and others more quickly but it wasn't this extensive many years and so i i really want to talk a little bit more about that full circle and so you're saying that when you go in you're learning how to to fight to train to use your physical body and and see and understand your strength and then the second phase is to to teach it cuz it's um what once uh, taught twice, learned. That's right. You know, so there's there's a lot of that. So you're building this wisdom, and then the philosophy aspect where you get to share your wisdom with the world. Is that correct? Did I That's get it absolutely. all right?
2: That's absolutely it. And you know, it, it's particularly important. As much as I would um, maybe resist it sometimes, as you get older, your physical skills tend to maybe wane a little bit. It's just part of who we are. Yeah. Uh, but what we can do is become so much fuller in our ability to teach and share when we encompass this full gambit beyond just the physical actions, right? I mean, it would be my hope. I have now well over 1,500 students that have received their black belt with me, and only maybe a fraction of them are still actively training. But it would be my hope that each and every one of them would go out into the world and use those lessons each and every day and i've had many students come back and and tell me such that they 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 rely on those martial art lessons those martial art skills each and every day in their life if that's what happened even if they're not physically training then i've done my job right then i've done my job because i've used they're now using martial arts as that powerful metaphor in their lives to be able to you know build the life that they want
0: ah So, Chris, what would you say is one of the most powerful lessons that you have taken in Mm -hmm. on your journey through martial arts?
2: Yeah. Well, I think of all the things, as I look around and and I said, I've been blessed to have uh, tremendous instructors and mentors throughout my career. And I think the thing that's just coming to me now is how the most powerful of men or women were also the most humble and giving. Yes. So, you know, my my Korean Taekwondo instructor is has was always showing that to me. I was always watching him. In fact, I think to date, they've raised a couple of million dollars for children's hospital in the Milwaukee area with what they do. And then my other instructor happens to be a world-renowned former world champion. And when we're at conferences together. There'll be 2000 martial arts um, business owners and staff there. And he can't walk 20 feet without someone asking for an autograph. And he's always willing to stop, sign an autograph, make small talk. And so it's the, the thing that is really powerful is the more power that we have and the more skill that we developed is the more humility and the more ability to share and want to share that I've seen. And that to me is a real powerful life lesson. I mean, because we all have, as I said before, physical skills will wane, but as we grow as human beings and I can't tell you, um, how I had an experience years ago where I met Chuck Norris for the first time. Okay. And it was a, it was a, um, it was a, a consortium of 50 martial arts instructors from all over the country. We came down to your area in Dallas, Texas at the Cooper Institute. And it was, um, as, this is
0: his, his, uh, his stomping grounds, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because yeah.
2: uh, Chuck Norris has his ranch down here. But Kenneth Cooper is the man who coined the term aerobics. So we were there to up-level our teaching. And we were also doing self-regulation of our industry. And so they put us through these battery of tests. Well, my instructor, uh, Bill Superfoot Wallace, was sitting next to me, who's very good friends. He's been in movies with Chuck Norris. He leans over and he says, I think I'm going to get Chuck to come over and say hi. So I'm like, OK. So he leaves. And about two hours later, um, the, the speaker is up there and, and he stops and his eyes get big. And we're like, what's going on? And we all turn around and there's Chuck Norris and his wife and my instructor, Bill Wallace and Howard Jackson and Skipper Mullins, all these luminaries in mar- American martial arts. So Chuck Norris comes up to the front of the room. He's got on a baseball cap and a cut off sweatshirt and he addresses us. And it was a beautiful speech, but that's not what stuck with me. What stuck with me is at the end, rather than leaving house left, like he came up, he came down house right, and we were all seated, like stadium-style seating, and he went to each one of us, April, shook our hand and said, hi, I'm Chuck Norris, what's your name? Where are you Mm. from? Oh, it took him an hour or more to leave, and he made that contact with each and every one of us. So that, to me, was this beautiful lesson about someone who had, he could have easily said, thanks for inviting me, left, we would have been, oh my God, that was the best thing. But he made the point to make contact with each and every one of us.
0: Warrior in the garden. in the garden. Well, Manly too has met Chuck Norris and he has said many times that this is one of the biggest things that he appreciates about you and why he is so fond of you and people like Chuck Norris, because you're correct. It's... You know those people who have not only excelled in this art and they have the humility and the patience and they truly are showing what it is to be excelled in martial arts and and truly probably what it originally was meant to be and that is that is really really beautiful We're going to go to another commercial. And when we get back, I am very intrigued to ask you and talk to you about your walk on the 500 mile Camino de Santiago. Very good. De Santiago. Say that correctly. Um, But I can't wait to hear more about that.
4: Hello, everyone. I am Kim Jacobs, the host of The Kim Jacobs Show, and you all know who's right here with me, Dr. Les Brown. How are you, Dr. Brown? I'm blessed and highly favored. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the time you want to give yourself a competitive edge. If you got a message, you have some knowledge or experience, a story, or if you want to do something adventurous and exciting with your life that can increase your credibility, expose you to millions of people, I'm encouraging you to have your own talk show. I used to have a talk show. That one talk show catapulted me to another level. Now there are more people watching the internet, as you are aware, than television. Yes. Come on, somebody. That's right. After- Kim Jacobs, she trained people on how to have their own talk show. She will train you how to do that. And now with me working, partnering with her, now you have the combination of an audience, expansive audience. We have over 4 million people in all of our platforms and the coaching you need to grow your business, to grow your multi-level marketing organization, to draw more attention to yourself in this noisy economy. Go ahead, Kim. So in the training that I do, Les, I actually do a six-week training. It's one hour per week. And each week, I meet with the individuals one-on-one. We go through and we talk about all of the things that's necessary for a show to become a reality. We go from how to actually identify your focus area what's going to be your ideal customer that's going to be tuning in. We'll talk about how to get guests, how to get sponsorship, how to go about getting your lighting, your branding, and your banners, and everything that you need to know. And guess what, Les? They right. own their own content at the end of the day. And that's exciting. Now, if you're ready to 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 create a shift in your business and in your life and increase your cash flow, I want you to go to kimjacobsconsulting.com. It's right there on the screen. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs, consulting.com. That's Kim Jacobs, Consulting.com. Did I say Kim Jacobs Consulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching, and we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. That's my story, and that's Kim's story, and we're sticking to it. Bye for now. (laughs) Bye bye.
0: Well, Chris, I have been thoroughly enjoying our conversation so far, and uh, it just it brings me back a little bit to even doing this show and when we start to speak on stages and and I want to come back to that and ask you a little bit about your journey and the transition of going from you know, your, your studios of martial arts studios into speaking and on stages and, but let's circle back, um, and go into your journey in 2014. Um, but what I, I love that you answered this because I like to ask some of my guests, you know, something about them, a fun fact, a hobby, bucket list, something unique, and you shared with me that back in 2014 you watched the 500 mile mile, excuse me, Camino de Santiago across northern Spain. And I've heard so much about this, so many incredible stories. Um, and you know, even people have made movies about it. Can you share with the audience your experience with
2: that? Oh, man, how much time we got? Uh. Yeah. I, I absolutely. It was probably one of the most impactful times of my life. Um, for those of you out there in um, in wellness land, if you haven't heard of the Camino de Santiago, it is a 500 mile or 800 kilometer walk across northern Spain. It begins in uh, western France. The first day that you're there, you go up into the Pyrenees Mountains. And when you do that, you cross over into the international boundary into Spain and you come on down. And then It is a pilgrimage, basically, that you do to Santiago de Capistela, which is the Cathedral of St. James, who is St. James the Apostle, who is reputed to have brought Christianity to Europe. Now, Mm -hmm. I went on it for a spiritual walk. Um, It was very interesting how it came about, though. I had actually been exposed to it about 15 years before. And, um, I received, I, I was reading the book called the Camino by Shirley McLean and I couldn't put it down. I said, one day I want to do this. Nice. So then fast forward 15 years, I'm sitting at lunch at a Whole Foods with one of my good buddies and he has his cell phone out and he's showing me his bucket list and telling me that he's going to be, uh, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro that year. And we're having this conversation in mid February. So he's, this is my bucket list. And he shows me the whole thing and he goes, what's on your bucket list? And he goes, wait, 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 I know, it's that walk you've always talked about. And I said, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, matter of fact, the Camino is probably the top thing. He said, well, why don't you do it? I said, you know what, Stephen, one day I will. And he goes, no, do it this year. Well, now we're in mid-February, right? So I'm every time I give him an excuse, he totally shoots it down. So finally, I agreed to meet with one of our uh, mutual Sounds friends. Sounds like
0: a good friend.
2: Like a great friend, absolutely. <laughs> So we meet, He, I, I commit I'm going to meet with one of our mutual friends who had done it the year before. One thing leads to another. I get super inspired. And on May 4th, I'm walking up the side of the Pyrenees. So mm-hmm. it happened that fast. And it was probably one of the grandest life-changing experiences. What I did for basically 29, 30 days is I walked. And between 17 and 18 miles a day uh, through all terrains of Northern Spain, Met people from all over the world, mm-hmm. Europe, United States, Canada, Asia, all basically doing it for the same purpose, with the exception of maybe the 20-somethings that were there for a 30-day party. But most people wow. were <laughs> just to go within. And there was this beautiful camaraderie that everyone had. And I've got so many amazing stories of what occurred during that time that I still use today that altered my life you know, today, just in terms of the things that I learned.
0: Oh, well, I would love to hear at least one of them or your favorite one. I I would
2: tell my favorite story. Yes. Um, I had literally been using the Camino in the first two weeks, almost like an athletic contest. I -hmm. get up early in the morning. I'd be be up at five. I'd be on the trail at six, which it was great because the sun's rising. It's just me on the trail together. But I was just, I got to go from point A to point B, point A to point B. And so along the way, I had some experiences that really caused me to slow down. But it all culminated with this last story. Um, I was about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the Camino, getting to Santiago. And I'm on the trail. And I'm now relaxing. And I'm moving a little slower pace. And I'm moving forward. And the way that you move through the Camino, by the way, is you, they have them marked with all these yellow arrows, So that's basically I mean, there are maps, but you just follow the arrows or the yellow seashells. And that's how you get to your next destination.
0: Make it easy for
2: you. Make it easy for you. Right. So so I'm walking forward and I hear someone yell at me from behind. Um, She's the wrong way. It's the wrong way. So I stop and this woman kind of jogs up to me and her name is Cecile. She's from Toulouse, France. And we strike up a conversation and then she gently points to the left and there's the arrow. So she literally saved me from being an hours out of. So anyway, we walk a little bit longer and now my pace is a little bit faster. So I leave. And a couple three hours later, I'm sitting at a cafe that's just adjacent to the trail, watching the pilgrims go by. And Cecile comes over the hill and she sees me and she starts waving. And I wave back and she comes over and she stands in front of my table and she asks if she can join me for lunch. Of course, I say Yes. So we sit down and we're just getting to know one another. And she says, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a life coach. Martial arts is right. She said, life coach? Oh, my gosh. I'm on the Camino because of my life coach. She said, my boss saw that I was so imbalanced. He said, if I didn't hire this coach, he was going to fire me. And I'm on this trail. I'm on this trail right now because of my life coach. And she goes, I have to tell you, I've spoken to more people in the last three weeks than I have in the last 20 years.
0: Wow. Well, no wonder there was an imbalance.
2: Right. And then, and then here's the kicker, April. Then she gets quiet and she shares with me. She says, we were talking on a Friday and she said, uh, Tuesday was my mom's 80th birthday. And so I called her up on Tuesday to, to, you know, to wish her happy birthday. And then she said, and for the first time in my life, I told my mom I loved her and both of us are just now in tears right yeah. so now if if cecile walked in my front door i probably wouldn't recognize her right because we met, we probably spent 30 minutes together but that left such an indelible mark on me saying okay chris where do i have the opportunity to slow down and really be with the people that I'm close that are most important to me. And even with the people that maybe I'm just meeting for the first time. So the 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 Camino for me was filled with all those amazing lessons. And that's why I get so excited talking about it.
0: Yeah. I I mean when we start talking about bucket lists, I I haven't actually created one yet, but that I know would be on it. And um because I hear more and more about people's stories with it. And it just sounds so intriguing and uh, so exciting. And there's always something, some incredibly powerful story of an experience that people have during that journey. And so that's exciting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I So now I want to talk about, your transition from, you know, your your karate to the stage, what did that look like? And, you know, for me, going transitioning to the stage or into the show has been so eye-opening and so much growth for me personally, because I feel like when we start sharing our stories with people in the world, uh, you can't help but grow and change. So tell me a little bit about your experience thus far.
2: Well, you know, it it really started um, kind of out of necessity. Now, I being a martial artist all my life and actually teaching at a very young age, I was helping assistant classes at age 14. Uh, I was used to being in front of a room and speaking. And then, right after college, I worked in sales with Procter and Gamble, and I did sales training. So being in front of a I ended up being in front of rooms of five hundred uh, sales uh, people. So I, w- I, w- I had that as a background mm. But it came out of necessity when I opened up my martial arts studio because <laughs> I, I soon realized that I had six competitors in a two mile radius of me. And I'm like, okay, well, I can have Yellow Page ads and I can run newspaper ads and whatever, but how am I going to differentiate myself? And so what I did, April, is I just started speaking about the benefits of martial arts to anyone that would listen, Mm. particularly in grade schools, you know, elementary schools, middle schools. And I I I learned quite quite early that if I could keep 500 primary school kids engaged, I could get, keep anyone, you know, engaged, right? <laughs> and, true. But, but what happened was, is, you know, when I, when I started my martial arts school in 95, I brought over about 40 students from a small program I had been teaching at. And the average school in the United States at that time was 80 students. And so, but within a year, I had over 200 students. And then within five wow. years, I had over 500 students. And what was happening was, is it was me being out in the community. So as mm-hmm. that was happening, I'm having people say, wow, you're, you're pretty good at this speaking thing. Would you come speak here? Would you come speak here? Mm-hmm. And then I was also on my own spiritual and personal development growth path and realized that I, you know, that I, 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 you know, just like I'm sharing today, we have gifts It's about sharing them. Right. And so I started being much more proactive about going on stages myself. And it just kind of grew from there. And quite honestly, I didn't think I was going to use martial arts as my metaphor until I had a coach almost, you know, grab me by the proverbial collars and say, this is your unique selling proposition, knucklehead. You know, this is what you have to, you know, use all this skill and this knowledge you have. And so it's just kind of taken off from there. And so I do do keynote speaking, and then I also have a board-breaking experience that I do with organizations and corporations to have them actually have a visceral experience of a breakthrough Mm -hmm. uh, through limiting beliefs.
0: Some of the most powerful events and speaking events that I have encountered are those that offer some sort of physical transition with the audience. And so I I think that you know that, and that's why you incorporate the board breaking because you know it gets them engaged, involved, and in movement is is so meaningful. And um, you really get through to an audience when you do that. So, I and you know I couldn't, I can't relate entirely to you, but when you're talking about showing up with your, your martial arts background and you weren't sure that you were going to do that. I can relate in a sense that I have too had people and coaches say, you need to use your law enforcement background. And, and I didn't want to, I did not want to share it with the world. I was very, very quiet about it. Very hush about it. I still sort of am. This platform is helping me break out into, you know, sharing myself more about it. Absolutely. And there's a lot of change within myself. And also now that I'm stepping into stages, it it is, it is helping with that and trying to figure out, okay, how do I want this to look and how do you want to show up? What's the message I want to bring to the audience? And so that's really cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, um, uh, You've written a couple of books, That's so I, I would love for you to share. I've got here, the first book you wrote was Black Belt Leadership. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. Yeah, Black Belt Leadership. So it's about seven qualities um, of that I determined within my training and my teaching. And so my background, I wrote this book when I was in the midst of re- uh, studying and receiving my master's degree in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica. So it's really a culmination of both the martial art world and my spiritual personal development journey. And at the time I was getting ready to test. I had tested for my seventh degree black belt at that time. And I had written an essay called The Seven Qualities of Black Belt Excellence that was part of that journey. And then later on, I had a very good friend uh, who said to me, Chris, you need to, that's your keynote talk. Yeah. So it then became my keynote talk. And then when I was doing my, my graduate work, we had one final project we needed to complete. And that that was my book. So I basically took the keynote that I developed and was able to expand on it. So it's basically my seven principles for life success um, using martial arts as a metaphor.
0: Oh, Chris, I'm going to have to pick up a copy of that one. Right. That sounds incredible. I And I, I know that I glanced a little bit about your background and your schooling and education and uh, how fitting that that you went into that. And so <laughs> the second book is Breaking Through. Tell me a little bit about that one.
2: Well, well, Breaking Through basically came out of, I think, necessity. So um, for my people that have gone through the board breaking experience. So of course, you know, I do a lot of things locally here. And I so I've done several board breaking experiences. And very often I would run into people on the street that would say, oh my God, Chris, I did that board breaking experience with you last year. It was the coolest thing I ever did. In fact, that board, it still sits in my office every morning and I look at it every morning. I have it framed. Yeah, right? So I'm like, <laughs> oh, good for you. Then of course, my next question was, well, how did you do on your breakthrough? And half the time they'd say, oh yeah, I did this and I did that. And the other half of the time, there were people that said, well, I'm still kind of working on that. And what I realized was, is they were having this visceral empowering experience, but they maybe didn't have a roadmap for how Mm. they can achieve a breakthrough in their life. So breaking through is basically my roadmap for how, when I do coaching with clients, how they can move through obstacles, how they can set their vision, how they can, you know, begin with the end of mind and then break it down into small steps. And so that they can have the breakthrough that they're looking for. So that's, that's the essence of that book.
0: That makes sense that it's a necessary follow through. Well, I, I want to share, I I brought with <laughs> us, oh, let me start from the beginning. All right. <laughs> you shared a few photos.
2: Yeah, I, I did.
0: So I, I wanted to start with this one because I, I just loved it. Can you tell me what this picture represents? Yeah,
2: absolutely. This is after one of our black belt testings. I can't tell you when it was taken, but uh, I'm there in the center and those are all of the Uh, of my advanced black belts who act as instructors uh, to the three various schools that we serve our students at. And uh, there may be even some of the black belt candidates that tested. But, you know, I think that one of the most powerful things, and also one of the things I'm not only most proud of, but most humbled by is being able to not only develop martial artists, but develop teachers. And yeah. so every, every, what's so beautiful about that, April, and, and I know this when I train people and they achieve their black belt, particularly when they stay with me and they develop into instructors, each one of them, I know their life story. And I know the difficulties that they got through in order to take them there. I can see one person that's had two hip replacements. I can see another one that was working because he had a terrible stutter. I, I can see, you know, all everyone's got their own thing. And so that's basically part of our leadership team that helps develop uh, students here in what we call the Colorado Alliance of Martial Arts.
0: Ah, the Colorado Alliance of Martial Arts. So cool. And, And yeah, I would be so proud of that as well because you're, you know, like you said, when you are able to teach others to teach and spread the message, that's really, you know, what you feel the purpose is. So moving on, who are these two
2: handsome guys? Those are my two sons. Josh is on the left and Jason is on the right. Uh, I love this picture. This was this last Christmas um, when both of them, as we were opening gifts, they both uh, discovered that each one of them bought each other the same video game. (laughs) That's that picture. But uh, Josh is going to be 38 in uh, May. He has his master's in architecture. And is working for a firm here in, in Denver. Um, spent his junior year of college in, in Paris, France, studying. Uh, Jason is, has his own company called Stories to Light. He has his master's in film studies that he got from University of Ireland in Galway. And now he's working uh, and running his own business. And he does uh, videography and photography for individuals as well as, um, you know, Fortune 500 companies.
0: Oh, wow. Both, two. Of them,
2: both of them are trained black belts too. So Josh, my Otis is a third degree black belt and trained until he went off to college. Jason is a fourth degree black belt taught for me for several years. And in November is going to be testing for his fifth degree.
0: Chris, I would not expect anything less. <laughs> I wouldn't. And two very accomplished young men. Very, very proud. Yeah, And this is, I loved this picture.
2: It's my favorite picture of the, of, so this was Thanksgiving several years ago. And, and, uh, I have dear friends that we celebrated with each year and they say, oh, let's take a picture. And it just happened naturally. So I'm, I just love that picture.
0: (laughs) It is is a great picture. I mean, I think that when you look at this, you can't help, but feel joy.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And I just wanted to open it up. We had a few comments pop through. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Tina J. Ramsey said, powerful.
2: Thank you, doctor. And
0: she said to like, share, and subscribe. It sounds like she really enjoyed this. And I want to make sure that people know that if they do have comments and you happen to be leaving a comment later on and you're watching the recording, I will get back to you in the future or someone from the team. So That is really great stuff. Thank you so much, Chris, for sharing so much. I want to make sure that people know how to get a hold of you. And I've had it streaming on the bottom, but they can visit your website. That's the best way to get a hold of you.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. chrisnatsky.com. It's scrolling right across here. Um, you can see the programs. I've got a program coming up this Friday where I actually help train people, entrepreneurs, how to use speaking to build their business called the Champion Speakers Academy. You can also see some videos of me and my speaking. And if you're interested in coaching or bringing me in to do a program, either a keynote talk or a, or a board breaking experience, you can contact me there.
0: Oh, well, I I tell you what, I'm going to keep you in mind the next time that I have an event (laughs) because I truly, my favorite speakers have always been the ones that bring that physical aspect to it where they're getting people to move and jump up and down and, and you know say things and do things and things that they're not going to forget and of course that's why i like them the most because i recall them the most so good for you for showing up that way i want to ask is there anything else that that you would like to share with our guests today
2: well you know we have a saying in martial arts that a champion doesn't need to be told what to do they just need to be reminded And Mm -hmm. I always think that it's not just necessarily about about someone giving you those words of remindership, if you will, but it's about remembering who we really are. And so each and every one of us has a champion inside. And I would just encourage everyone out there to slow down a little bit, whether it's some time you take today, maybe you can't do till this weekend. And first of all, take a look at what's going on in your life and be grateful for what you have. But if you're not on the path that you think you need to be on take some time, get honest with yourself and say, okay, I know it's there. I know this yearning is there for a reason. What am I going to do to make it work? Because I really think the best way for us to serve the world is to make sure that we are sharing our gifts in the highest degree we can.
0: Yes. Oh, great words of wisdom. Slowing down, doing well for ourselves, and and just reminding ourselves that you know, we want to show up in this way. And I love the slowing down thing. I, I feel like, you know, Manly has been one of my greatest teachers and, you know, his background in the martial arts. I think that he really has gained that wisdom through his instructors and, uh, definitely has been my biggest teacher in, in learning patience and slowing down. (laughs) He is my reminder. (laughs) So, Uh, It's been such such a pleasure. I want to let our audience know that more contact information is going to be left in the description of this replay and We really are are so blessed to have you, Chris. You are welcome back on the show anytime. You definitely shed light on all of the things that uh, we seek to bring to the world through the Wellness-Driven Life Show, and I want to remind our audience that the way that we run the show is through your generous contributions, so donate to the Wellness-Driven Life Show. It can be once weekly, monthly, yearly, in whatever amount. It all helps You can donate through many different platforms, as you can do PayPal and Cash App, and I have a few others, (laughs) I don't remember. But when you donate through the Wellness Driven Life Show website, that's www.TheWellnessDrivenLifeShow.com, and you donate through there, you'll receive a beautiful email follow-up that you can keep for your records. So without further ado, thank you again, Chris, for being our lovely guest here on the show. And I wanna say just thank you again and goodbye for now. We'll see you tomorrow.